Ecclesiastes 11. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. This is the word of the Lord. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. This is what we think of when we think of the book of Ecclesiastes, right? which perhaps doesn't make it the most inspiring text to turn to on this first day of a new year. So bear with me, because I hope by the end of this sermon you see that this is the perfect kind of text to turn to at the beginning of a new year. Ecclesiastes is a, is a speech uh, to a gathered assembly, and the name of the speaker in the book of Ecclesiastes is... Ecclesiastes, in Greek at least. It's Kohelet in the Hebrew. And the name just means the speaker of the assembly. We don't know a lot about this person, though tradition holds that it is King Solomon. But what we do know is that Ecclesiastes, this person, is quite certain that the world is quite uncertain and unpredictable which is made very evident in the first four verses of Ecclesiastes 11. These verses all speak to our inability to control things, to our lack of knowledge about what will happen, or why things will happen, or when they will happen, or how they will happen. This is the reality of our existence. This is something all of us here can attest to, unless you know something I do not. And so Ecclesiastes, the speaker of the assembly, gives us some advice, some sage wisdom about how to live in the face of uncertainty. And it is pretty practical stuff. First, he tells us to invest long-term. Send out your bread on the waters. 
for after many days you will get it back. Now, I'm assuming this does not mean that we should drive to Lake Ontario and throw pieces of bread on the water and wait for that bread to circumnavigate the Great Lakes before coming back to us in one soggy piece. Rather, this is instructing us to make an investment, to send out a ship onto the ocean to make some voyage, to trust our belongings to someone or something to let go of that which we think we might need in the short term, even though that might feel frightening or wasteful, because we know that what we send out will come back to us. Second, Ecclesiastes tells us quite practically to distribute risk. Make sure that all your eggs aren't in one basket so that when disaster strikes, and it will strike, you don't lose everything. In verses 3 and 4, the speaker instructs us to not try to beat the system. Life happens as it will. Rain falls when clouds are full. Trees tumble in any which way. And no matter how much we try to study the clouds to find some pattern or observe the wind to make sense of its chaos, we won't be able to predict that which is unpredictable. We can't manipulate these things for our own ends in our own pursuit of profit. So for all these reasons, Ecclesiastes tells us to hold things loosely. Our possessions, our hopes and dreams, our idea of success, our desire for profit don't become too attached. Because, inevitably, things won't go quite the way we want them to, or think they should. And that could land us in a place of nihilism, in a place of despair. I mean, if we can't control things and the world is unpredictable, then maybe it's safest if we hold things really loosely and not even bother trying. Maybe we should all just sit back, spend what money we do have on ensuring some modest comfort for whatever days we have left and eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that what verses 9 and 10 seem to be telling us? Rejoice while you are young and follow the inclination of your heart and the desire of your eyes. Put away any anxiety and just live a little. Because life is meaningless. Life is vanity, which in the book of Ecclesiastes simply means that life is fleeting, like a breath. The end of our days will be here before we know it. So what's the point of bothering with anything anyway? Let's throw caution to the wind and live it up a little. Or... Let's sit on our beds in a cloud of despair, only certain that there's no point to anything. That's where Ecclesiastes could leave us. And it's probably how some of us think Ecclesiastes leaves us a lot. But that's not what our speaker is saying to us. Because that kind of despair or nihilism or abandonment 
is still really all about us and our sense of the world and our desires and our expectations. That kind of despair doesn't take into account the fact that while the world might be unpredictable to us, it is not unpredictable to the one who made the world. And yes, we might not know how things will turn out. They might not go the way we think they should. We might not feel in control. But God will always know how things are going to turn out. God will always be in control. After those first four verses that speak of the uncertainty of life, the chaos of creation, and the unpredictability of events, at which point we could be left with a feeling of impending doom and fear, the speaker gathers us back in and reminds us that life is in fact not chaotic, but held as we are held by God. We might not know everything. We don't know how life will end just as we cannot fathom how it begins. But the God who forms us in the womb does know all things. He knows how our bread will come back to us. He knows which way the tree will fall. He knows how the winds will blow. He knows how all these things will work together for the good of those who love him, for the sake of his plan to redeem the world. And so Ecclesiastes calls us to trust. A trust that doesn't sit back on its haunches and say, well, I guess you've got it all under control. You don't need me but rather a trust that inspires us to work and live vigorously with all our heart and mind and strength, placing everything we do in God's hands. Sow your seed in the morning and keep your hands busy at night, the speaker says in verse six, because we don't know what God is going to use for his purposes but we know he will use us somehow. And that thought doesn't cause me to despair. That fills me with delight because there is a lot of freedom in that idea, in the knowledge that God is in control. It's freedom to just do, to try, to fail, to experiment, to try again, to keep on keeping on holding our own desires, our own expected outcomes loosely in the knowledge and the hope that if we seek to be faithful, God will take whatever we offer and use it and expand it and shape it in ways that we can't begin to imagine, and maybe even in ways we won't see in our lifetime. When I graduated from seminary, the president offered some words at the ceremony to the graduates before we all embarked on careers and callings in the ministry. 
It's easy, he said, in ministry to hold on to things tightly. We go into churches with big hopes and dreams, having been inspired by our three to four years of classes and internships, and we have grand ideas of how we will help shape and grow the church and grow closer to God and help other people grow closer to God and see people bear good fruit. So it's easy, he said, for this job to become about our own desired outcomes and expectations. To think that success looks a certain way. To believe that our success depends on church growth, on spiritual growth, on numbers we can track and evaluate and analyze easy for ministry to become about us. So he reminded us then of the words written by Father Ken Untner, often linked to the work of Archbishop Oscar Romero in El Salvador. You've heard Pastor Amanda read these words before, but they always bear repeating. This is what Father Untner wrote. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. And we are workers not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Father Untner might as well have been quoting Ecclesiastes 11. We cannot control things. We cannot do everything. We do not know what will happen in the end, but God does. God uses us to accomplish his purposes. And so he calls us to invest, to work, to join him 
in the freedom and liberation that he is in control, that he is the master builder, that he is the maker of all things, and it is his kingdom in which we live. So I, a pastor, need Ecclesiastes 11. But all of us need Ecclesiastes 11 because we are, each one of us, workers in the kingdom. The Holy Spirit didn't just rest upon pastors on the day of Pentecost. We are all called to be agents of shalom, bringers of peace, strivers for justice, ambassadors of hope. As we raise children, teach high school science, build furniture, heal bodies, design buildings, counsel families, write books. Each of us has been given a passion, a deep desire to see our communities and our families and our neighborhoods flourish. And the temptation our deep-seated desire for control and the the ease with which that passion turns into self-centered anxiety with which our sense of worth gets caught up in our own ideas of success or our own desired outcomes. That's something we all struggle with. So Ecclesiastes calls us to assemble here in this place, to speak a good word to us. A word full of hope and joy and delight and enthusiasm that says it is not about you. So go be you with all your might and all your strength and all your heart. Lean into the power of the spirit that has been poured into you, that has equipped you in ways you can't begin to fathom. Use the gifts God has given you. Trust that God is doing a good thing in and through you. And in all you do, seek first the kingdom, because the kingdom is good. That's a good word for this first day of a new year. It is not about you. So go be you in the fullest sense of yourself, in the sense of who God made you to be, trusting that God will accomplish his good purposes in you in the days and weeks and months and years ahead. Would you pray with me? And so, Lord God, help us to trust in you. As we look ahead to a year full of possibilities, but also uncertainties, it can be tempting to feel either anxiety and fear or a deep desire for control as we pull out our planners and make resolutions and lay out how we want the year to go. Help us to hold the coming days loosely, not out of despair, but in hope that you hold those days. And in that freedom, help us to live faithfully and earnestly in service of you and your kingdom. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.